Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. We're going to begin this service. If you would, please uh, stand to your feet as we read from God's Word. This is Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. Uh, we are uh, glad that you are here as we worship the Lord today, as the saints have gathered uh, to, to glorify the resurrected uh, King Jesus. Uh, this morning, uh, if you would, uh, take a look at your bulletin, especially if you're a guest. We're so glad that you are here, and we'd like to just have a record of your attendance. So there's a tear-off tab in your bulletin. I do hope you got one. Uh, just let us know that you came uh, and drop that in the offering plate as it comes by. And again, you guys kind of know the drill if you've been here. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, anything at all, a, a way that uh, you need prayer or, or if you're looking to serve or plug in or anything like that, let us know. Uh, we want to see how we can meet those needs and, and help you or how you could plug into a ministry here. Uh, again, we're so glad you're here. And at this time, I'm going to hand it over uh, to David.
Would you join me as we go to our Savior in prayer? Father, my heart is made rejoice when I think of this great hymn that describes the time we met the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for that special day many, many years ago when by grace through faith this life was changed. And I give you the praise and the glory. Help us, Lord, those of us that are truly redeemed, to rejoice and to praise you and to share with others what you are doing in our lives even today. We give you all the praise and the glory. Thank you for everyone that is gathered here this morning. We know, our Father, there are many, many needs. And we lift those unto you today. In our class, Sunday school classes, we've heard the prayer request. And Lord, there are many on the hearts that are here. And we lift those unto you this morning. Thank you for many that we've seen restored to their health and uh, able to be back in your house today. We pray for those that are in the process of grief that you'll continue to comfort and walk with them through that. But Father, we know there are those that are discouraged and downhearted here today. Help them, our Father, to see you in all of your majesty and glory and fall at your feet in repentance and faith and trusting in you. I pray for our pastor as he proclaims your word this morning. We pray that the blessed Holy Spirit will have freedom to move in our midst. Lord, help us to be still. Help us to be quiet and listen for your still small voice as you seek to speak unto us. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of others that are about us that do not know you as Savior, Lord. Help us, our Father, to be mindful of those needs and the needs of others hearing the gospel today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
One day when you said that prayer, I in my heart.
plays a whole lot of different instruments, doesn't he? <laughs> and now he sings, too. We're just so blessed. Thank you, Glenn, for that. Uh, a little bit later in the service, Mindy, Jordan, Mindy Jones is going to be singing, and she's a personal friend of Marla and mine. And many of you know Mindy, and we're glad to have her singing a little bit later. This next song is one that I don't think we sung here maybe once or twice, but not very often. It's called Jesus is the Song. A great little hymn, and we're going to learn it this morning if we don't already know it. Jesus is the Song.
pray. Father, it is a privilege to come into your house today, Lord, and we thank you for all that you blessed us with this week and in our lives. Father, we ask that you would uh, take this portion that we give back to you and, and use it for your gospel ministry. Father, we pray that you would uh, reach the ends of the earth with this ministry at Broadway, and we thank you for all that you bless us with. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. 
every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just a song of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know.
Over 30,000 churches have participated in Back to Church Sunday, and millions of people have come back to church or visited a church for the first time. This is a growing movement of churches in America to mobilize our members to reach every neighborhood, to reach every home, to bring hope, to bring unity, to bring God's life-changing love, to bring salvation. What if every church in America did this together? Jesus set the example, and then he turned it over to us. We're it, the church, his church. Will you join us? Our church, every, the third Sunday of every September is National Back to Church Sunday. And that's something Broadway Baptist is going to participate in. What it is, it's a focus of our church of inviting folks, maybe who don't, do, not, do not attend church, or maybe at one point attended church, or have never even been to church, it's a challenge for us to think, who do I know, who do I come in contact, whom I can invite to church. I mean, I just think about this week, I can think of two examples. I had to go to Staples down here, and I was inviting, uh, just to show you the unchurchedness of our city, I was inviting the uh, lady at Staples who uh, rang me up uh, to church, and she told me, said, when she was a child, as everyone, child and teenager, she used to go to church, but now she doesn't. And she seemed very open to that. I went to the cleaners this week, pick up my clothes, and I was talking to the person there, and I invited that person. They once attended church, and they were also open. I mean, for all I know, both those folks could be here this morning, but that is what it shows. You need to be intentional and be directive about inviting folks to church. So these next three Sundays, starting today, uh, I believe that's the, um, the 9th, and then the 16th, I'll be preaching on... May, uh, obviously making the gospel very clear about what it means to be saved and the importance that you and I should be inviting folks to church and sharing the good news. If we really believe Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and he, that means people who do not know Jesus, they are lost and going to hell. If you, and that's an eternal hell. That's not a purgatory, a part-time, or just a temporary if you are convicted, if you are convictional about that, Christ is the only way. And people who do not have Christ in their life, they are going to be doomed forever. That means we need to be responding in a sense of, hey, there's folks all around me who do not know the Lord, and I want to invite them to hear the good news. Or if they aren't going to come, you tell it to them themselves. So. Open your Bibles here, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 26. Do you know, um, in, our, in our worship service here, you kind of think of our worship service. And this is a key part of our worship service. We have the, uh, Zach comes and reads the Bible, it, uh, the public reading of Scripture. Then we have uh, David, we sing, he leads us in our music. We have songs, we sing praises to our God. Then we give our offering. Uh, we are called and commanded to give. Jesus wants us to be givers, so we give during that. We have our sermon right here where sermons are based out of the Bible. It's Scripture-based. You're seeing what is God trying to say to me today from His Word. It's a time of conviction. But then at the very end of the service, we do something called an invitation. And it's sad. Many, many churches don't do invitations anymore. An invitation is a time for... Folks who've been sitting, who've been, they've heard the Word of God, they've had the offering, they've heard the songs, and they've heard the sermon, and it's their opportunity to respond to what the Lord is doing in their life. 
Do you know the invitation in many ways is the most important part of the service? Because many of you, you've heard every sermon in this Bible. You've heard all sorts of preachers and singers stand up here on the stage in the pulpit. But you never know the person you're sitting next to when they could be ready to respond to the gospel. And when we have our invitation here at Broadway, we need to be anticipating. If you're saved, and you're, uh, maybe you don't need to respond publicly, you want to be praying for the folks around you. Be praying for God to move during our invitation. Be thinking, God, am I, is there any way I'm being distracting during the invitation? Is there any way I'm preventing folks from walking forward and, and uh, making it public? I'll never forget, about five years ago, the church I came from, we had an 830 worship service. It was early. And it, there was, I, you, you always remember very memorable services. And this one, it was in early November, and there was nothing special going on. We had just finished something, big event or so, and folks were just tired, exhausted. It was just a regular old Sunday. Regular sermon, nothing, just another week, just cranking it out. <clears throat> average attendance, didn't really see any new faces, just kind of just blah. It was just like, well, you know, another, another Sunday, went to work, preached from the Bible. Nothing changes with the Bible, same old, same old book. Well, something did happen that, that Sunday. Um, there was a lady, um, she was actually sitting up close on the side over here, and uh, her, she was actually a member of the church, and um, her family, mom, she was a mother, she was in her early 40s or so, and she had some kids, and, I mean, her kids, have been, I baptized her children, and uh, they had been there for several years. Her and her husband, they were there all the time. She was actually one of our Awana leaders, uh, just real involved. Uh, I was preaching God's Word. I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, Dan, you need to really explain about how to pray the sinner's prayer. And that's something, you all knew this, I do it from time to time, and it's important. And we're going to do it these next three Sundays, of course, uh, with our focus on outreach. But um, I hadn't planned on doing that that morning, but... I stopped a couple minutes early, and we took time to just, I mean, just, probably there's some folks there said, looking around and said, you know, I don't, I mean, just same old, nothing really special, it's just a regular Sunday, the regular folks, 8.30, everybody's asleep, nobody's listening anyway, so I felt convicted that I need to, God tell me, Dan, you just need to make it very clear how to, how to, how to get saved. Well, I just, I, we went through the sinner's prayer, so everybody bowed their head and prayed the sinner's prayer, <clears throat> and again, nothing, <laughs> special happened. I walked down front and that lady, and I would not know this was going to happen, that lady, right when the invitation started, she jumps out of her pew and comes running down front and says, Daniel, I'm, I, I want you to know I got saved this morning. <clears throat> I have been playing church my whole life. I've been a fake. I, I, even though I've been a member and I'm baptized, I have not known the Lord. And this morning, God has been working on me. He's been convicting me. And I responded to that. I prayed that prayer. You just prayed. And that morning, Betty got saved. And she later got baptized. And what's, what's interesting about that story is, from looking at the crowd, look, just regular Sunday, there was nothing special. No lights, no magic. In fact, if I would say it was even a below-average sermon. It was just blah. But listen, Broadway, you never know how the Holy Spirit's working in folks' lives. You might feel old and stale right now, but the person next to you, they could be under great conviction. God could be working all throughout 
that week in their life and they've been, they've been anxious about the Lord. We never know how the Holy Spirit is working, how He's blowing and moving in people's lives. So when we have our invitation here at Broadway, there needs to be an anticipation. Because God, what are you going to do? What, what is going to happen? How are we going to close this service? I want you to look here in this scripture right here. This here is an interesting passage because this is, in many ways, you know, you turn on the news, all you hear about is collusion. That's collusion with Russia. But this is about Jesus gets accused of colluding with the devil, of all people. And uh, so we're going to say, did Jesus collude with the devil? And the answer is no, and he's going to explain that right here. So I want you to follow along. There's two sections of this sermon. There's, we're going to read the, um, the Jesus... Here, how he t shares how a house divided cannot stand. A life divided is not a saved life. And then he's also going to show how there's an incomplete exor exorcism. Meaning when Jesus drives out a devil, if he doesn't come in, the Holy Spirit doesn't come in and fill, some, fill you up, the uh, devil's coming back. Verse 14, now he was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon came out of the man who had been mute, who had spoke, and the crowds were amazed. So folks are excited about this mute man who never spoke. All of a sudden he's talking. But some of them said, now look at this. Now there are people like this today. They look at Jesus. They look at the crowds and say, He drives out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. That's another word for Satan. That means Jesus is getting, they're accusing Jesus. He's getting his power from the devil. We all know this man here is a fraud. Who does he think he is driving these, these demons out? So they're, they're falsely accusing Jesus here. And others, as a test, were demanding of him a sign from heaven. So now not only they're accusing him, they're saying, Give me a sign, Jesus. We want to see what you have. We want to see something from heaven. Look here. Now, knowing their thoughts, Jesus reads our mind. He's reading your, every one of our minds right now. He knows where you stand. He knows if you're really even here. And he also knows that there's someone who's ready to respond and get saved. Reading their thoughts, he told them, every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction. And a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say, I drive out demons by Beelzebub. And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do you, who do your sons drive them out? Meaning, what Jesus just said is, guys, you've, your Jewish exorcists have driven out demons. Who are they driving them out? They, are they also driving them out by the bells of hope? He's just saying what you're saying is absurd. Why would a demon-possessed man want to drive out other demons? I mean, you see, this just makes no sense. They're just scraping the bottom of the barrel, finding anything they can to throw at Jesus. So, Jesus, this isn't about driving out demons. Jesus is showing here... It's really about, is your heart divided? Do you have other priorities? If I drop verse 20, or part of verse 19, for this reason they will be your judges, meaning those that your sons who are also driving out demons. Let, let them figure out who, who, who's, what power we're using. For this reason they will be your judges. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his estate, his possessions are secure, but when one stronger than he attacks and overpowers him, he takes 
from him all his weapons he trusted in and divides up his plunder. Now, Jesus just said there's, if you're guarding your house and you've got this strong man and he's keeping your possessions safe, but then all of a sudden someone stronger comes in and ties him up, beats up that strong man and hauls off all the possessions and plunder and everything that's been, been kept in that house, the stronger man is obviously going to win. He's going to overpower, overpower the strong man. So what Jesus is saying is, when people are lost, he's saying this first strong man is actually the devil. When someone is spiritually dead, they don't, might not realize it, but they are bound by the devil. They are tied up. They don't realize they are actually a possession of Satan. But then all of a sudden, this new man, Jesus, busts in the house, who's stronger than the devil, ties up the devil, puts him in his place, and frees all the plunder and the possession, saying, I'm here to set you free. Jesus just describes salvation. He says, when you get saved, when you trust in me as your Savior, I come into your house, and I free the person who's, who's being, all these people who are being possessed by the devil, who are being tied up. Because I'm stronger than the guy who's guarding the house. And then look at verse 23. Anyone who is not with me is against me. And anyone who does not gathers with me scatters. Jesus just said there's two camps out there. You're either going to be with me or you're not. You're either going to be gathering, meaning you're going to be doing the kingdom's work, you're going to be inviting folks, sharing the good news, or you're going to be scattering. There's, he's drawing a line saying, you're either saved or you're not. You know the devil never gives away anything without struggle. If Satan has a stronghold in your life right now, I promise you, if Christ doesn't free you of it, you will continue to struggle with that stronghold he has. Only Christ can be the one who comes in the devil's house and frees all the possessions. So what Jesus is telling us is that lukewarm Christianity, it's not a saving faith. It's not real, genuine faith. I want you to look up here at a couple of takeaways from this first passage we see here. Demonic influence. Church, it's real. Satan has a stronghold over many people's lives. It's a reality. There are folks all around us. They don't realize it, but they are in possession of the devil. And only Christ can free them. And Jesus is trying to teach them, says, I'm not doing this by any other power, but by the finger of God, I can defeat the devil. That's how easy it is for Jesus to walk into the devil's home that's supposedly secure and overpower him. But not only that we see in this passage here, there's no other options. You're either with Christ or you're not. There's no middle ground. There's no Switzerland. There's a satanic lie with neutrality. If you are here and you're just neutral... You've believed a lie. The lie is, you know, I'm just going to not bother anybody. I'm just going to do my own thing and not, not cause any problems. 
The problem with that is Jesus calls us to a life of complete sold-outness to Him. Let me illustrate this. I haven't, since we have children, I don't get to fish very much, but let's just say I went, wanted to go fishing one day. In fact, I met someone this morning and told me they were <coughs> going fishing. They're not at church, they're going fishing. But um, let's just say this Labor Day weekend I wanted to go fishing. And I need to update my tackle box. I've got a bunch of old lures in there. So I go to Cabela's. I had to drive all the way over there, other side of town, and go to Cabela's to find some fishing lures. So I go there, and I walk up to the, to the man who works in the fishing center, and I say, sir, I want the best bass lures you have. I'm going fishing on the lake, and I'm going to catch some big fish. You, you give me the best, best lures. I don't care how much they cost. If I'm going fishing, I'm going to invest in the best because I'm not going to waste time out there. So I go out over there to Cabela's. I, I talk to the man, and he starts telling me about lures, about boats. He starts telling me about fishing poles. He goes on to tell me what tackle boxes, even the little fish finder that I need. In fact, all I wanted was a couple or three lures. And he goes on and on and on. In fact, I even walked out of his section, and he followed me, telling me about uh, these new lures, the, this new boat. It, it, it told me what type of motor I need. 30 minutes later, I regret asking that salesman about which fishing lure I wanted. In fact, as I walk out the door, the man is still telling me at Cabela's about fishing supplies, any and everything I wanted to know. Now, would you say that man, he was passionate and excited about fishing? I mean, he loves the, for someone to come up and ask him about any and everything about how to catch a fish. And he'll just explode all over you with all his knowledge he has. Church, that is what Jesus Christ wants of his followers. When people talk to you as a believer in Jesus Christ, they should know that I love the Lord. They should know where I stand. They should know I'm not a closet follower. I am devout in my faith. I love Jesus. In fact, I love Him so much I want to tell you about Him. That's what it means to be a witness. A witness means I've experienced Him in my own life, therefore I want to tell you about it. We're not just giving out knowledge. You're a witness as someone says, I've experienced the Lord. I know what saving faith in Jesus and what a blessing He could be in my life, and you need to experience the same. Do people know you that way? Do people even know you're a believer? Would people be shocked to find out you even go to church or you read a Bible? Listen, if people can be passionate about college football, if people can sit in front of the TVs for hour after hour on end on a Saturday, from noon to goodness last night, midnight, and watched TV, for men moving a football up and down the field even when the game's long over. Do you have that same passion and desire about Christ? That's really what Jesus is saying here. If anyone's not with me, brother, you're actually against me. Do people know you're with Jesus? Many of us, we know, we, everybody knows where we stand on our favorite team and our favorite hobbies, and our favorite sports, but what about the Lord? Brother, where do you stand? Where is your heart's desire? Guys, this is foundational. 
If the man at Cabela is all he talks about fishing, that should be an example to me. All I should be talking about as a believer in Jesus is about the Lord. If you aren't, if that's not you, when Jesus asks this question, anyone who's with me is against me. And he does not gather, scatters. Do I gather? Lord, am I, am I gathering? Listen, if you don't gather, meaning if you're not with the flock, if you're not with the sheep, if you're not in the sheep pen of, the, of God's people, if you don't value the, the power of hearing the, God's Word preached and sang about and the invitation offered and giving, brother, Jesus is saying you're not saved. You're not saved. Saved people love Jesus. Saved people come to worship on Sunday. Saved people are exciting and excited about the Lord. If you aren't with me, if you do not gather, if you aren't in the sheep, sheep pen, you're scattered. I mean, you're not in the fold, meaning you're not here. It is so clear. And this is, Jesus takes this incredible teaching about how he's getting accused of being demonic. He's saying, what a joke. How could I be demonic? I don't want to drive. Who, who, why would the devil drive out the devil? I drive out demons by the finger of God because I have all power and authority. I can do that. It makes no sense what y'all are saying. You're either with the kingdom of God or you're not. You're either saved or you're not. There's no neutrality. You cannot be neutral about Jesus. You will know if a brother or sister is saved. That's what he's saying. All right. Next story here. Keep going. We're in verse 24 now. In a little bit, we're going to flip over. In fact, let's go ahead and do that. Turn your Bibles. Keep your finger here in Luke chapter 11. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 126.5. This is a Bible verse that we should all know. It's a Bible verse that tells us the importance of sowing the gospel seed. It's a Bible verse that tells us that when you sow with tears, God hears that. When's the last time you were broken? You shed a tear over someone who's not saved? When's the last time that you realized that maybe you have family members or you have close friends you work with, and when it comes down to it, they do not know the Lord. They're lost, which means they're going to hell, according to Jesus and God. Look what it says here. Psalm 126.5 says, Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Do you know what the psalmist is telling us in that verse? He's saying, your heart should be broken that, and should be bothered that there are people that you know who are lost, who are not righteous, who are neutral, or who are just... They're just scattering. They're just out there. When is the last time you sowed tears for a lost soul? We get upset about cancer. We cry over uh, maybe bad decisions that was made. But do you know what God is sad about? He's sad about His people when they don't care about lost people. Do you know when it comes down to it, all God sees are two things. You're either saved 
You've been born again by the Spirit of God. And Christ reigns in your life. Or Broadway, you're not. You're lost. And these people over here who do not know the Lord should be having people over here praying for them, crying over them, going out to the Lord says, God, I know you hear and you answer prayers of your people. I pray for those who do not know you. I pray they come to a saving knowledge. Maybe it's my, my spouse, your children, your grandchildren. Listen, the greatest thing, if your grandchildren aren't in church this morning, instead of just giving them money all the time and buying them cell phones, you need to be praying for their salvation. Jesus Christ wants your priority. You need to be looking for any opportunities to invite them to church. They're planting gospel seeds in their life. Look around. If they're not here, you should be crying over them. People who sow tears of joy, who sow tears for the lost, they will reap a reward. We are filled with dry-eyed church members. Only time we might cry is when something gets in our eye. A speck of dust or something. And the Bible's saying you need to be sowing tears for the unsaved. Look, go back in your Bible. Luke chapter 11. <clears throat> Look at what happens here. This is what happens when someone is um, cleansed, but Christ does not come into their life. This is an incomplete exorcism. This is when the, the devil is driven out, but it's not complete. There's something missing here. Verse 24, it says here, Luke eleven twenty four. follow along your Bible, a few verses, last few verses we're going to see. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, meaning a, an evil spirit, it roams through the waterless places looking for rest. And not finding any rest, it then says, I'll go back to my house I came from. Meaning, this is the person who decides, you know what, I've been struggling with drinking, I've been struggling with pornography, I've been struggling with whatever is immoral in my life, but I'm going to clean my life up. I'm going to start living a clean life. And it's possible to live a clean life without Christ. Now, I want you to understand what a clean life is. A clean life is saying, I'm going to make wise choices. Because someone can go through life and make wise choices. In fact, this week, one of the other folks I was talking to, this lady, she grew up in, um, she ended up being saved, but uh, she grew up in Utah. She said, Daniel, I, I grew up in Mormon country. Everybody around me was a Mormon. I grew up with them. I know how they are. They'll fool you. These are the kindest, cleanest, purest. They just, I mean, they are good people, good folks. They stress, they preach clean living. They've got it together, but they do not know the Jesus in the Bible. They are not saved. They have been led astray. They're going down a dark road that leads to hell. They aren't. They do not worship the Jesus. They do not believe about the God in the Scriptures. And she was telling me that they've been blinded by their falseness and this foolishness of clean living. And look, this is what Jesus is talking about here. He says, when an unclean spirit comes out of a person, and that spirit it roams through the waterless places. I mean, he's just out there looking for a place to rest. And you don't want an evil spirit resting on you. And not finding rest, it then says, I'll go back to the house that I came from. Meaning, I'm sure they've gotten over their little revival. They've made their decision. They've walked their aisle. They've made their promise. But I'm coming back, the evil spirit says. 
Returning it finds the house swept and put in order. means, hey, I cleaned up the place. Looks good. Now this is a strange verse here. Look what Jesus tells us. Verse 26, last verse we're going to read. Then it, meaning the evil spirit, goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. What Jesus just said is, it's possible for someone to have this fake salvation, this fake cleansing in their life. They're going to clean up their life. It's a Christless cleansing. They clean up their life. And then they maybe get going a little while while the evil spirit's been gone. But then something's going to happen because they're coming back. Remember, Satan doesn't give up. Satan, he's not going to go away without a struggle. He's coming back. And he comes back. And when he comes back to this person who does not have Christ in their life, he brings even more evil spirits and their, their second condition is worse than the first. I want to describe what this is. This is the person with a fake salvation. This is the person as a child, when they were 10 years old, they walked the aisle their invitation and said, I've got Christ in my life. And two weeks later, they get baptized. And they think that's it. And then all of a sudden, they become teenagers and young adults, and they're making decisions that are completely contrary to God's law. Yet they've been fooled by thinking, oh, I'm saved. But when you look at their life, their life whatsoever doesn't look like a saved person. Jesus says their later condition is actually worse. And you know why? Because now they have falsely believed that they know the Lord. That was the problem. That, that first story I told you all at the beginning of that Sunday morning, I just thought it was a regular Sunday, and little Betty over here walks the aisle and says, I got saved, I've been living a lie. Because God opened her mind and her eyes to saying, I don't, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Him. You cannot rid yourself of evil within you. You can't do it. Only Jesus Christ can. Only Christ can purify you. Only He's the one that can cleanse us. There is no way for you to all of a sudden be growing closer to Jesus Christ and, and not hearing God's Word. Meaning you do not grow closer to Christ by being far away from Him. You can't just be empty. You can't go wrong around saying, you know, I'm just going to live a clean life but not have Christ. That's a Christless cleansing. Morality, clean living. Church, it doesn't save us. Good works, they're, they're fruitless. There's no salvation in that. There's no eternal life. You go out on the road here and ask someone how to be saved, they're going to give you a good works answer mostly. They're going to tell you about how good of a person they are. Look at these last two takeaways. Look at this. A Christless cleansing is dangerous. Satan will return. He's coming back. Just because you experience victory today doesn't mean tomorrow he's, he's coming back. and He's come back stronger. And we have to be aware that, God, have I received a Christless cleansing? Does Christ reign in my life? Listen, Lord, he, he wants to own you. Meaning Christ wants to take over your, your mind, your thinking, your decision making. It's not, being a Christian is not clean living. That is not what it means. We 
we don't just say, well, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I don't make these bad decisions, I don't use foul language, uh, I go to church. That's not a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mormons can do that, and they're lost. And they do do that, and they're still lost. A relationship with Jesus Christ is when you say, I am a lost soul. I am damned for hell, and I need a Savior. And Jesus saves you. He forgives you. He gives you new life. He's the one who saves. We don't save ourselves. No decision we can make is going is to cleanse our life. Only He does that. Last thing we're going to see here, then we're going to we're gonna have the sinner's prayer in a second. And we're going to sing our invitation, just as I am. Jesus is warning us that your own morality is not sufficient to be in good standing with God. It's not. Your own morality will leave you empty. The challenge for this, I think the key verse is really what we see here. That last verse in verse 26, last sentence. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. I want you to ask yourself this morning, is that me? God, have I been fooled? We all, listen, all of us need to have what we call self-awareness. It's easy to judge other people. We can always look and say, you know what, these people are missing. They need to get saved. They have a drinking problem. They, they're out there. And we just look around and start judging everybody else. But Jesus is saying, what about me? What is my condition? Is my condition, is my spiritual condition today worse than it was when I first got saved, supposedly? And if it is, if you are worse off now spiritually than you were whenever you think you got saved, you have to ask the question, God, am I saved? Have I been fooled? Have I had this so-called Christless cleansing where I've got clean but I don't have the Lord? Jesus Christ is speaking to some of you this morning. And he's asking me, am I like that lady? Just a regular Sunday, Labor Day weekend, nothing special. Just another sermon. But I'm telling you, you never know. The Holy Spirit blows, and we do not know where he's blowing, what he's up to, and who he's working in. The Word of God never returns void. There's never a missed opportunity with the Lord. Let's bow our heads. We're going to have the sinner's prayer. I bet it's a possibility. Some of you here this morning, I'm going to be truthful. Some of you need to examine your heart. And you need to say, Lord, have I received a Christless cleansing? Meaning, have I not received saving faith in repentance in Christ? Where I turn to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. I want to get saved. I'm tired of, I'm tired of this fake religious rules. Lord, you didn't come here to give us a bunch of rules. Lord, you came to give us Jesus. And I want Him. He's the one who saves. If that is you, if you have never responded to the Gospel, if you have never prayed in minute to ask Jesus to save you, I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray along to yourself. God, if He can read people's mind in this story here, He knew their thoughts. If Jesus knows their thoughts, He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're saying. He knows what you believe. Dear Jesus, I want to be saved. I'm tired of living without you. 
Forgive me my sins. Save me this morning. Jesus, from this moment on, I am living for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you all to look up. The Bible says, if you meant that, if you cry out to the Lord, He who calls to the name of the Lord, He who cries out to God, He who turns to the Lord will never be disappointed. I'm telling you, Broadway, I'm telling you, Jesus, you cry out to Him. He hears and He answers those prayers. We're going to have our invitation. I'm going to invite you to respond. We're going to sing just as I am. David Dale's going to lead us. With every invitation, I'll wait down forward. And what Christ has done privately in your life, He calls and commands you to make it public. Let's stand together. We're going to sing our hymn book, 435, Just As I Am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to weekend here uh, obviously so we do not have evening worship there's nothing going on for the teenagers or no awana for the children or um or the youth group or, or evening service so it's an opportunity for you to spend time with your family and um and also with the lord but uh we'll, next sunday night or, or next sunday we'll be back on our regular uh, sunday evening service i'm gonna ask david he'll have our closing we're, song we're gonna sing the chorus of the song we sang earlier Jesus is a song of life. Jesus is a song of life. Jesus is a song of joy. Jesus is the song of love. Jesus gives his song to me. Amen. Have a great week.